0: we
1: Sunset Hills Church this morning, I appreciate you being here. Hopefully, as you were just led into worship just with that song, that that last chorus uh, is meaningful for you as a Christian because uh, God is holy, which really just means that he's set apart, that he's set apart, he's perfect, and um, he calls us towards holiness. And the wonderful thing about being a Christ follower is that we can pursue holiness because of the power that's in christ that gives us that opportunity to be able to pursue his holiness and so we can sing that way we can uh, sound that as a testimony and it's good that as a church we gather because of that so thank you for coming if you're new with us so glad that you're here hope that you'll uh Stick around a few minutes after service. Come and see me at the front table there. We have a little gift for you. We'd love to give to you just by way of thank you and, and come in here. Um, if you want to text hi to us, that'll put you into a little bit of a conversation with us, allowing us to be able to give you more information about our wonderful church and uh, what it would mean to be a part of Sunset Hills, and uh, very grateful for that. Obviously, we have a few people that are out this morning. We got some kids that are at our, our camp. Uh, at Kane hollow and so uh, i've heard report from my wife that it's been a fantastic weekend and so hopefully we'll hear next week some transformation stories and things like that so since you're up and around and you've got some people right around you would you do me a big favor would you just give everybody sort of a, a good sunset welcome good morning
2: there's some joy in the house of this Lord today I sure hope that you are feeling joy this morning we're gonna sing about that this is called house of the Lord and we want to hear your voices and just worship worship
0: See, My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. I'm gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. I'm gonna shout out your praise. Sing to the God who always makes a way Cause he hung up on that cross And he up from that grave My God's still rolling stones away Come on, sing it out There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet I'm gonna shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord we won't be quiet we're gonna shout out your praise We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. I got a shout in this place. We won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the
3: house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet.
0: We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the Shout of the Father's heart.
2: indescribable. That we get to experience today. Thank you for the words that you have given to Pastor Steve to offer to us and to our spirits. Thank you for this weather. Thank you for our congregation. Thank you for the safety that you have offered us today. Thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, and that he came to die so that we could live with you forever. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.
4: You may be seated. Thank you. <clears throat> I too want to encourage you, and even now as we have gathered here in this place to worship, to continue to pray for our students. They'll be packing up probably about right now to head back to the church, and uh, we're praying that they had an incredible time. But we also going to pray for safety as they come back home. And uh, I don't know. Some of your parents may want to say, "Well, we wish they were staying about another week or so." But uh, and and thanks to our worship team for um, just falling in and doing a great job of leading us in worship with uh kelly being out and they just do picked up and do a great job i kept waiting for them to call me up and say hey we need another male voice to sing but that call never came i i I don't know where was i just it's because kelly never calls me to sing i maybe i don't know it's good to see you here this morning there's a story about a man who was bitten by a dog so he goes to the doctor and while he's at the doctor he finds out he has rabies now this happened several years ago before there was a cure and the doctor said you need to put your affairs in order or you're going to die so the man and the news of this sat there in, in, in disbelief and he just was trying, struggling to wrap his hand around, head around what he just heard and so the doctor um, came, said, uh, went out for a little while and let him sit there. He came back in, and the guy said, Doctor, could I have a piece of paper, please? And he began to write down some things on, on the piece of paper. And the doctor gave the man some privacy, and again, he eventually came back to check on him about an hour later. And the doctor said, I'm glad to see you're working on your will and that you're getting things in order. And the man said, Listen, doctor. This is not a will, and I'm not necessarily working on getting things in order. What I'm actually writing is a list of people that I want to bite before I die. (laughs) Ouch, right? Man, what kind of attitude is that? You know, trying to get even with people just before you are going to kick the bucket. You know, it's like, do you know anybody like that? Have you ever been around someone like that? Just still living with things in their past that, right before they kind of, if they find out they're dying, they want to get even. Uh, We're in part two of a parable that we looked at last week where Jesus is teaching a lesson on what it looks like to experience both sides of forgiveness, what it looks like to be forgiven but also what it likes, looks like to forgive. In this passage, Jesus is speaking to Peter about forgiveness, and, but you really need to kind of put it in context of, of what's being said here, how the whole conversation started. So you really need to back up into chapter 18 of Matthew, and Jesus is in Capernaum, and He's teaching, and the disciples come to Him with an important question— Uh, One of them had had been on their minds evidently for a while, and they asked Jesus, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven? And Jesus starts this discussion with them, uh, dealing with that very question. So it leads into this parable that we're going to talk about. But in that conversation, He's having that teaching with His disciples. He's saying, Unless we come to Him as innocent as children... In our faith, we have no hope of receiving the kingdom. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him and settle your differences. And how can you live with me if you can't live with your brother? These are different things that are being said, and uh, I need a little more monitor up here, please. Peter hears these words, and he immediately asked the question that we find in Scripture. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when when he sins against me up to seven times? It's a sincere question, a good question from a sincere man. But I, I want you to notice something about this question. I know I covered this last week, but I just want to kind of back up and give you the setting. He's asking, how many times shall I forgive my brother? He's asking it in that particular way, rather than asking it in a way that maybe he could have asked, should have asked, how many times should someone forgive me when I sin against them? Now, isn't that an interesting take on Peter's question here? Peter kind of assumes... Maybe it's because he's thinking of a time when somebody wronged him and he had extended forgiveness to this person rather than him, him wronging someone else. And we know from Peter's life that he was very capable of wronging other people, right? But in this particular case, he said, he puts the kind of the shoe on his foot. It's like, how many times should I forgive them when they wrong me? Peter wanted Jesus maybe to help him set some limits on what forgiveness looks like. Like as if he's wanting to say, okay, um, if I forgive him once or twice or three times, which was kind of the, the law of the land or the rabbinic law that you could forgive someone for three times. Peter goes a, a little further than that, says seven times. If I get to that eighth time, okay, I, you messed up. I'm sorry. Forgiveness is ended no more. And this man is, Peter, he's determined. He's realistic. And so, seven times seems to be kind of a, a great latitude of forgiveness of wrongs that are done to him. He might be willing to forgive seven times, but get to that eighth, forget it. I'm not going to grant forgiveness. So, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? Maybe he kind of is thinking, I've done it, I've done it over and over again. I'm getting tired of it. He keeps doing the same thing. He keeps hurting me. And why? how do I keep on forgiving him? Haven't we all asked that question at some point in time of someone? Like, how many times do I keep forgiving? When you think about it, we all have some barriers that keep us from giving a gift of forgiveness to others. We have a, a threshold that we don't want to cross, a limit that we just don't seem to go, be able to go beyond. And, you know, you're like, what are those barriers? Well, I, I think some of those barriers would be like revenge. Like, you know what? I'm not going to forgive them because down deep I want to get even with them. Or, or maybe a barrier might be, resentment um i, I just want to stay angry oh well, you're we setting my life group class today and um bobby hamilton the teacher asked a question who do you admire and sean Norham he's over there now stroking his beard because he knows he's getting the he's going to be towed on and, and, and Sean Norum said, I admire David Ivey because of David Ivey's humility. David's always in a good mood. I guess he's up with the students right now, helping them out. And David just, he always seems like he's just in a, this incredible, he's just a joy to be around most of the time. But then Sean says, I admire him. However, there are times I just want to be mad and David won't let me. You know? There are times when we just want to be angry with people, right? Because they, they deserve it. Or maybe another barrier is this, and probably a bigger problem with a lot of folks that really don't want to admit it. In fact, I have seen people who have this problem, and they never admit it, but they're able to pick it out in other people. Y'all must know some people like that. They always remember they never forget. I, you sinned against me. It's almost like they've got an app in their phone where every time someone sins against them, they just write it down. There it goes, number three hundred and eighty-two. It's in their brain, and they can almost kind of almost go back to that first, second, third, fiftieth, three hundred eighty-one time that it happened, it's like they keep on remembering all those bad things that someone has done. So Peter asked this question. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I thinking Peter is like another Virgins say 7 times 70. Somebody quickly calculate what that is. 490. That's a lot. Jesus' suggestion that we... He's saying, don't count the number of times. Don't be keeping up with 381, 382... 487, 488, 489, 409, 491. I'm got it. I'm done. No, he's not saying that. He's saying basically there's no limit to the times that we're to forgive someone. And actually, if you are using that formula of 490, you should have long since formed a habit of forgiveness. Keep on forgiving, and eventually it becomes part of your DNA. It becomes who you are. Jesus is saying, you know, you need to be in the habit of continual and unlimited Forgiveness precisely the point Jesus is making you don't keep score when it comes to forgiveness there would be a lot of marriages that would be so much better if they weren't keeping score there would be a lot of fin- family dynamics that would be so much better if you weren't keeping score friendships relationships and work relationships so many of those would be so much better if you weren't keeping score Grace has no limit. So Jesus goes on. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. It's like a king who wanted to settle the accounts with his servants, and he began the settlement. The man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him since he was not able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him be patient with me he begged and I will pay you everything back and I don't think I brought this out last week but you know here he says I'll pay you everything back he can't pay it back his debt was too great so I don't know where he's coming from maybe he's just hoping that that the king will have mercy on him but he's stating a fact that he cannot do the servant's master does do this however took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And now, and that's kind of what I covered last week, now we're going to see that this parable takes a twist, as often happens with Jesus when he's telling a parable. Not what you would expect to hear. But when that servant went out, he's been forgiven his debt, he's been set free, he goes out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him. I love it how this just this, the the detail that Jesus gives in this story. What does he do? He goes over to him. He finds him and he puts his hands around his neck and he starts choking him. Hello, I should not choke somebody bigger than me. Thanks for not reacting. He starts choking him. He goes after him. Now, I just want you to kind of just think about this for a second. You would think this guy, who's just been forgiven such a huge debt, would have had a different mindset. Maybe thinking something like, whew, man, I was before the king. I owed him all this money. He just forgave me. Wow, that was a close one. He was going to, I mean, it was a chance they were going to sell my wife and my kids into slavery, and I'd have to go to prison. How gracious the king was. And because of what he did, it has changed my life, and now I'm going to pay it forward. Watch me be kind to others. You would think that would be the way that this guy would have acted, but that's not how he responds. He had been forgiven, but he really had not experienced what forgiveness looks like. He didn't really appreciate it. He didn't really value it. And while he had been forgiven, he just didn't experience exactly what forgiveness looks like. There are a lot of people in the church today that have been forgiven by God, but have yet to really fully grasp the depth of His forgiveness. When you've been forgiven, it should affect how you live your life. We ought to be humbled by it. We ought to be so humbled by it that it changes our perspective toward the one who forgave us. And be in a sense of all of the one we found forgiveness from. But it also should cause us to have such compassion that we're willing to show kindness and love toward other people. When we've been forgiven, as God has forgiven us, we understand just how broken we were, and it puts us in a position to allow for the brokenness in others now you're not saying amen but you ought to be the opposite of that is meanness being harsh and cruel to others as we found with this servant this man who's been forgiven He's mean, harsh, and cruel. Which indicates that he had a prideful heart. Basically saying, it's all about me here. Here's a man who experienced forgiveness and yet unwilling to forgive another. I'm just wondering... How often do we do that? How often do we fail to forgive? We forget just how much we've been forgiven. And so, well, I don't really do that. Well, just hang with me just a second, because I'm probably going to convince you maybe that's not the case. If you carry grudges and you harbor maliciousness, and you have hateful thoughts toward others, and if there's somehow something in the back of your mind that maybe you're making plans to hurt them by doing something, maybe it's by withholding, then you're unwilling to forgive. And quite honestly, that's a sin. To not forgive others is a sin. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 31 32, he says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, allowing with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Okay, he could have stopped right there. And that would have been sufficient, right? Get rid of all that other bad stuff. And here's what you replace it with. Kindness, compassion, forgiving. Then he writes this. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's a pretty strong mandate for the church. Why are we to forgive? Simply because we've been forgiven. It's that easy. God has forgiven us, therefore we're to forgive one another. Pick up the story again. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Watch what he does. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now I'm not sure. How do you pay a debt once you've been thrown into prison? You know, it's like, I mean, that really showed a whole lot about the attitude of this guy who who was trying to get his money out of the poor servant. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're here today. And you think back on an, some incident, some wrong, where you've been hurt. Are you still bitter? Still hurting? If you haven't forgiven that person, then you're bound just like that servant was bound in prison. You have placed yourself... If you're unwilling to forgive, you're still hanging on. You have placed yourself inside of a prison. So what do you need to do this morning? What do you need to forgive this morning? Even if it happened a long time ago, even if you don't have any contact with that person any longer, even if you'd rather not think about it, even if you have no idea how you feel, you're just over it, even if you've been wounded or you've been harboring resentment or bitterness or malice against someone, all of those things, if you're holding on to that, then I suggest that you need to repent and seek God and ask Him to give you the power to help forgive it. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to have God's intervention, His help. Can He do it? Absolutely. You might say, well, I can't forget what happened to me. How can I forgive? Right, i got about five things, points I want to give to you right quick first thing is acknowledge the hurt acknowledge it face it first the starting point for pursuing forgiveness is to admit that you've really been hurt we tend to like to pretend what was said really doesn't bother us doesn't really faze us but until we're, re- we're willing to admit that we have, we're hurt by them, we're not in a place where we can forgive. begin to pursue forgiveness. And before I go a little deeper on this point, I, I, you've got to acknowledge the hurt, but let me give another side to that just for just a minute, okay? Many times we allow ourselves, especially in today's society, to be hurt when we shouldn't. Like the old saying, we're walking around in this culture, it seems like, just wearing our feelings on our shoulders, just daring people to knock them off. We get our feelings hurt so easily by people we don't even know. You get on social media and somebody makes a comment about something that you, and, and all of a sudden they just, everybody's got an opinion on social media. Have you figured that out yet? We've just gotten so sensitive. And just maybe we ought to be quicker. Maybe, wait, let me just say well... I get it, got it written down one way. I'm gonna say it a different way. Maybe we just need to get some tough skin about us, you know, and quit being so. I'm gonna say what's the word? Nancy Pansy? Is that it? Is that it? Is that how you say that word? That phrase? So snowflake. That's another one. You know, about it. Maybe we ought to be quicker to extend grace to someone that we've misinterpreted their actions toward us and, and, and practice some forgiveness. Not get so upset over such minor disappointments. Okay, now that I, I'm kind of want to put that side to it. Because really, you, you, you really need to start filtering what it is you're going to get upset about. Because there's enough going on that's going to get you upset all the time if you let it. Okay? So decide if it's worth it or not. What battles are you going to chase after? Okay, this works in a marriage. So what if the bed's not made up? right I mean who's going to see the med- bed not made up anyway are you expecting the whole neighborhood to come check out your house every morning I, I don't know what it is I'm not going to dare tell you what it is that Lynn bothers me about but some things you just got to let go and I assure you my list of things that bothers her is much longer than mine that I have for her Because she's told me about them during times. (laughs) You know? She is listening. She's going to turn me off here in a minute. I keep on. I'm just using an example that doesn't really happen at our house. we got this great marriage of forgiveness all the time. Just choose your battles, right? But... Now, here's the other side of it. There are times when we're sincerely hurt. We have to be careful when that hurt is there because that hurt can begin to turn into hatred. And hatred is never a good thing. You need to be careful that you don't start trying to cover it up. Unresolved conflict... You've heard me use this illustration before. I use it in every premarital counseling session that I do with premarital conflict. It's not original to me. I got it from another book, but it's a great example. Unresolved conflict is like this monster who lives in the bottom of the sea, and he's got a hole down there that he lives in, and there's a big rock over it. And as long as that rock is over that uh, that hole, the monster can't get out. But if the monster, if if the rock is ever nudged over just a little bit, the monster can get up and start pushing it out. And all of a sudden, the monster of unresolved conflict shows up. So how do you deal with the monster at the bottom of the sea? You deal with the conflict. You don't let it build up. You get it out. But you have the right attitude, a Christ-like attitude, when you're dealing with it. Forgiveness. We're not careful. We keep that monster in the bottom of the sea, and it just starts building hatred. So acknowledge you've been hurt. And the second thing, this is a hard one. Surrender your right to get even. Surrender your right to get even. Mother ran into the bedroom when she heard her seven-year-old son scream, and she found his two-year-old sister pulling his hair. She gently released the little girl's grip and said comfortingly to the boy, there, there, she didn't mean it. She doesn't know that it hurts. He nodded in his acknowledgment, and she left the room. As she started down the hall, the little girl screamed, rushing back in, and asked, what happened? The little boy replied, she knows now. (laughs) He's going to get even. I mean, there's a side of us, really, humanity, that wants to get even. We're a lot like this man who threw his friend into prison. We enjoy putting people in their place, in a prison, so to speak. They wronged us, we want them to suffer. We want them to hurt as bad as we hurt, as bad as they hurt us. Isn't that true? You're being quiet about that. We want justice. justice is sometimes equated to revenge. Just wondering, are you holding someone hostage right now? Are you trying to make them feel miserable? Are you determined to punish a friend or a family member for something that he or she said to you? When we choose to forgive, though, we choose to lay aside the right to carry out revenge. In the moment of making that decision, we're doing a couple of things. We're leaving the ultimate justice and vengeance up to God. God knows about it. I'm going to turn it over to you, God. I want to be done with it. It's not my problem any longer. And we're deliberately choosing for ourselves a path of forgiveness. It begins a path... The first step toward a different path. So acknowledge that you've been seriously hurt. Surrender your right to get even. Here's the third thing. Search for the real person beyond the hurt that they caused. What's going on in their life? Maybe they're just responding to some burden that they're carrying or some bad situation, and you just kind of get Put off on you because of something else that happened. When we've been wrong, we like to build these things up in our mind and start. We so we start rather than really trying to figure out what that person's going through. And it may not be time. I get it, but what we begin to do, however, is we start planning all sorts of things in our own mind here, and we kind of start questioning all of their motives and you know, what's going on here everything becomes suspicious we we begin to see them through our own perspective here and not try to see things from their perspective the process of forgiveness requires that we begin to look for the real person rather than the one that we've created in our mind We begin to see that they have not only hurt, but they may too have been hurt, and they're just responding out of their hurt. And if we begin to see them that way, if we begin to look at it that way, we might discover that they're needy, and they are weak, and maybe they need somebody to come alongside them to help them. And... There's something that happens when you start helping someone else. It begins to change your attitude. You begin to help people. The focus goes off of you and on them. Doesn't mean that we grant the victim status and excuse all their wrongdoing. We're forgiving, not excusing them. What's our motivation in doing this? As a passage points out, we're doing it for them because that's what God did for us. He looked beyond what we were doing and saw our need, spoke into our hurt, spoke into our brokenness. Those who have been forgiven, forgive. Here's the fourth thing. Desire good to come to your wrongdoer. Uh oh. Okay, I was doing pretty good up to that one. Sounds impossible when you first hear it, but stay with me for a minute. I know it's asking a lot. Okay, let me just stop here and say you know what? I'm preaching this sermon to me, too. This, is, this applies to me. Start hoping good comes to that person. In the process of forgiveness, we move from dreaming that bad things will happen to them to hoping that good things will begin to happen in their life. At this point, it might be helpful to kind of look at a related question Does forgiving mean there's no punishment? The answer is no. Forgiving does not necessarily mean there's no punishment for what they've done. If they're unrepentant, punishment that leads to sorrow may be the loving thing to do, want to want for them because it would bring them toward where they need to be. It might help them get to that point. The key is not so much what happens to them, it's what's going on with you. What's our motivation for doing such a thing? Again, we go back to the text. We're doing this because God did it for us. And the fifth thing, the final thing, if possible, enjoy the healed relationship. We'll go back to Matthew 18. It talks about how to, deal, how to get along with other people eventually it says if you might gain a brother out of it it's restored relationship sometimes the other person can't join you in moving toward reconciliation and sometimes the person won't join you in that and at some point you may just have to move on but again it's not necessarily about them it's about you being able to release what you've been harboring but if they're able to join you in reconciliation then enjoy the new relationship do you have any good friends where you had problems and you got past it and now you have a much better relationship Maybe that's happened in a marriage where you were able to deal with it, forgive, move forward. And the marriage is better because of it. Enjoyed the healed relationship. Now let's finish the parable. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all of your debts, all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Well, that's a sermon within itself right there. Shouldn't you forgive just like I forgave you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed, which again, remember, was impossible. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's an interesting twist to the story where it talks about jailers to be tortured and all those things. Because of time, let me just kind of finish up with this. If we don't forgive, what we're doing is really placing ourselves in the prison of torture. We're doing that to ourselves. We end up locking ourselves in lonely isolation. Can't deal with things, can't get over them. Other person's already moved on, very likely. They forgot about it unless it's in an ongoing relationship. What? By hanging on to it, we choose to place ourselves in prison. Some of the most miserable people in the world are those who continue to hang on to past sins that they haven't forgiven others for. And you know what I've discovered? Not only do they make themselves miserable, but they make people around them miserable. And I say life is too short to live like that. But more than just that kind of little bit of advice that We find in culture better to live the life that we're commanded to live by Scripture and forgive than to place ourselves in that place of unforgiveness. Amen? Amen. Let me finish up with this one Scripture from Hebrews. Where we're commanded to do this, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many wow is that not powerful you know what that says church look out be warned Live your life as you've been forgiven by forgiving others. It's not easy. Was it easy for God to forgive you of your sins? No, it cost Him dearly by the blood sacrifice of Christ. But by that blood sacrifice, our account has been marked, paid, In full, would you bow your heads in prayer, please? There's no doubt, Father, that this lesson must have been awfully hard for Peter to hear. Those disciples, yeah, when 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 Peter fully grasped it, it changed his life. It changed his ministry. It changed how he would become a strong follower and leader in the church. He changed his outlook toward others and toward you. And forgiveness has that same ability to change our life, to release us. Just as you released us from our sins and paying the debt when Jesus paid the price on Calvary, We're to turn and release others because we've been forgiven. And I pray, Father, there's someone here that's holding on to something that before you today they would just be willing to say, I, 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 I hear the message, I hear, see the Scripture, but I'm just having a hard time with it, Lord. I, but I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to ask you to help with what I'm going through right now. There's some needs that we have in our sanctuary today of making things right with Christ, with our Heavenly Father. This invitation's for you to do it. Maybe to give your life to Him, to be forgiven, or maybe to forgive someone else. This altar is open for whatever is going on in your life right now help us do it father in Christ's name i pray amen please stand and
0: then the music fades all is strip-
4: struggles and troubles that we have whether it's caused by ourselves or caused by others who have hurt us help us to take forgive it and make it about you Jesus so that others will see this is the way that we should live a heart that's appreciative let's God honor no malice, no hurt, but compassion, forgiveness, enough that it makes a difference so that people will look at us and say, wow, that's how I want to live. I want to see that difference in my own life. Help us shortly as we go out from here, whether it's tonight doing our trunk or treat, or during our work schedule throughout the week or when the students come back, Father, and when they are living a life that continues to be a, a life that has been infused by some really neat things going on at camp this week, I pray that, that we as a church will make a difference in our community, in our families and in the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um,
1: I just wanted to follow up with today's message by saying it's a very practical word and one that uh, I think can be reviewed again and again and again, not just from the scripture, but maybe being able to take that exhortation that the Holy Spirit placed on, on Pastor Steve's heart to bring. Uh, and we have a really cool device on our website it, it records these messages. And it's a great way sometimes for you in your week to go back to the message and check that again out and really kind of take that thing apart some, reflect upon it Maybe the Holy Spirit is moving on you. Now, you know to be able to still work some of the things out that Pastor was talking about earlier in that passage. And maybe this message is also a great way to extend an opportunity for reconciliation with someone else. Um, it's a helpful word that, one, uh, that can be used maybe in a ministry to another. So you can just go on our website at uh, sunsethillsbc.com. And you can pick that thing up as soon as we are pretty much done. Our AV team does a great job of putting that back on the website. Well, there's some great things coming up. Tonight, number one, we have a trunk or treat. And uh, you're going to not want to miss that. If you can just let some friends and family know in the neighborhood, come for what Kelly has called the Power Hour. There'll be so much sugar available. Uh, we'll just leave that with all of your families and those kids to the neighborhood and give the dentists just a great benefit uh, for their future. And so we have lots of candy. We have, I think, maybe upwards to about 20 cars. are going to be down in the lower lot, the brand-new parking lot, under a well-lit place. We're going to have a table set out for hot cocoa we're gonna have just people welcoming folks that come onto our campus and so if you want to be a part of any of that you can just come get here a little early i'll be here about five o'clock just trying to get things sort of set up with courtney and everybody else pointing them in the right direction and it'll be a great time for our church to just be that presence to our culture and our community to say hey we would love for you to come and check more of us out and uh, come back again which brings me then to the next sunday which is a come to the table event and the next sunday is going to be really cool because we're transforming this whole area in here into like a banquet setting it's going to be beautiful Um, it'll be personal you'll be able to have a table we'll worship together and then we'll dine together in a beautiful meal of fellowship and so again bring your family bring some friends along and then also bring your side dishes and so one of the things we need is you to just sign up with your side dish. We're providing the main course. Is that right, Steve? As well as um, just... Chicken and dressing. Uh, there you go. And so just bring those side dishes and help us with not just bringing one type of side dish, like potato salad for days, but just bring a variety of things. We have two clipboards on the Connect table. Just sign your name there, bring that next week, and we're going to have a great time. It'll be right the whole service. And, and I think that's... Um, time change that Sunday, so we're helping you out a little bit with this. We're going to not have life groups that Sunday. At the 9 o'clock hour, it's just going to be the 10 o'clock service time with a meal thereafter, and so just keep that in mind, and that'll be great, and then guess what we're getting into. We're getting right into those beautiful holiday seasons, and we're going to be able to have the Christmas Dilemma, which is going to be starting at the end of November, and it's a sermon series that's called the Christmas Dilemma, and we're going to have special monologues that are going to have a pointed interest around the message. Each service will be a very pointed uh, emphasis with the dilemma of Jesus coming. He came, and it caused something in our whole life in the society and our mankind so we're going to talk about all that throughout the entire christmas season so really be thinking of like who you can invite we have really nice little flyers that you can take and give those out to people and then finally if you're here again for the first time Please come and say hi to me or say hi to Pastor Steve um, out in the lobby. I'll be out there at the Connect table. I'd love to give you a gift and just thank you for coming. And, again, just so grateful that you came to worship. Was it a good Sunday? Thank you, worship team, so much for uh, covering for Kelly. Super good. Super good. And just be in prayer for those students that are coming back. I'm assuming they're coming back about now. Or I hope so. So, so yeah. As we do want to give them back to their moms and dads and and that kind of thing and that that, that the Holy Spirit really was just working on their hearts and there was transformation and stories for us to glean from. So I think hey, that's it, brother.
4: You know, so we we have a video from um, the women's retreat that they're going to roll. Take a look at all the fun stuff.
0: Come just now.
4: music was actually the ladies that were attending the retreat they got a great sound I think we should have a women's choir sometime up here they had a great time enjoyed their time away and refreshment and uh, I came home the other day and smelled coffee in my house in which I thought well wh- what's going on I said Lynn what's the deal why is there coffee smelling my house and she's because neither one of us drink coffee and she's coming back drinking coffee now it's like I don't know this was a women's retreat we may have to think twice about letting her go next time no if you let me tell you a lot of great things happened last weekend a lot of fun stuff happened and if you can ask uh, you ever want to go on a women's retreat ask some of these ladies if they had a great time and get on your calendar next week to attend okay you're up here you keep jumping up well, let's hey good morning good morning i'd like to ask the congregation in appreciation Pastor Appreciation Month, would you please stand and give them a round of applause. (laughs) Pastor Eric, Pastor Eric, would you come up? Pastor Steve, would you come up? This is just a small token of our love, appreciation for you guys on how hard you work and what you do for us. Thank you very much. Thank you. I you Kelly I, no, I'll keep okay. Kelly's for myself. Yeah, that's good. Y'all can, we'll split, it. It. We'll y'all split, can it. split it and then have it between us. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, church. It is truly a privilege to... <clears throat> so... I'm glad Tennessee beat Kentucky last night.
3: Go home. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615 776 1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope, and you and I we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.